0: All right, the last thing I will do today <laughs> is introduce someone who has, uh, she graduated American, I believe in the year 2013, right? Yeah. And uh, wow, those were the days, right? <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Was that when the ruins were built in Egypt? No, okay, just what? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, yeah, um, she is a graduate here, and she studied anthropology, I believe. Did not get these sources from Wikipedia. That is fault, fake news. Fake, fake, fake website? What? And to uh, really finish this up. Uh, and she, She's a wonderful, wonderful human being. She's, she's so humble. Every time I'm around her, she gives me goosebumps like in a good way, uh, in a good way. Um, I'm trying not to make this turn into a comedy show. Okay, I'm just gonna say welcome the one, the only, Natalie Hill.
1: gotta love Alec, huh? He's awesome. He's awesome. I'm kind of proud that I give you goosebumps. A little bit weirded out, but I'll take it. Um, So as Alec said, I am a graduate from AU. I graduated in 2013. For those of you guys who don't know me, 2013 was not that long ago. Um, You know, yes, the East Quad and Cassell were not here at the time, but and I was here when the East Quad building was SIS, but just for a year. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm one of the directors here, That one of the interim directors here at AU Chi Alpha with Josh Jones, who's been preaching um, while Blaine steps off campus for a year. You guys also know me as um, I lead worship a lot here and at, at my church at National Community Church. A little bit more about me. I in originally, so I've been here for eight years. Um, I came to do Chi Alpha Uh, Well, I was in Kyle as a student, and then I came on staff immediately afterwards, and have been um, here for four years after that. And I am originally from Buffalo, New York, so go Bills. Um, If any of you guys are football fans, you realize how unfortunate that is. Um, But I actually have a pretty big family, so actually when Josh introduced himself a couple weeks ago, he brought a family portrait, and so I wanted to um, share a picture of my family um, that I brought. Steph, if you want to throw that up, as you guys can see. Uh, (laughs) That's pretty cute, right? Um, Yeah, as you can tell, it's it's a really large, diverse family. Um, As they say, plant lady is the new cat lady, so. Especially since cats are gross. Um... (laughs) Yeah, we got some, that's awesome, that's awesome. Um, Some of you guys are like, I am definitely not listening the rest of the time, and some of you guys are like, she's awesome. Um, I feel like cat lady has like a negative connotation, right? Like besides them being gross animals, but um, it kind of communicates that like you're single and alone and not really thrilled with that. Like you didn't choose that life, right? Um, But you just like might as well throw some cats in there and like, you know, do the best that you can. But when you're a plant, a plant lady, it's like, sure, I'm single, but like I'm hip, you know? And like, like I'm fine with it. I'm just like living the life over here. And you know, I get my cute apartment to myself and I don't have to like share my food with anyone or like my paycheck. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of a good life. And, and, and also like you get to like another perk is you get to sleep with your stuffed animals and it's not weird, you know? Um, So yeah, that's kind of just like where I'm at. Um, That's like the season of life I'm in, and I love it. Um, But I'm actually not just like a loner. Um, (laughs) You guys are like, yeah, sure. Um, First of all, I have a great family back at home um, that I love and who love me a lot. And I also have my, my Chi Alpha family here. I found Family uh, When I moved here, I was a student, and now I get a family in you guys and, and especially with the Chi Alpha staff. Um, I feel like I've found a, a great community, a great family I get to share and do life with. Um, you know, you guys know Josh and Brittany and their daughter, Evie. Um, also, Blaine and Hannah. Blaine, who, if you guys don't know, is the director of Chi Alpha, who's stepping off campus just for this year. Um, and then my best friend, Jeremiah. Um, who is Blaine and Hannah's son, and he's two. Um, so we have a lot of traditions and, and we do a lot of stuff together. We just get to, to share all the fun parts of life together. And so one of the traditions that I have with Josh and Brittany is that on Wednesday nights, we have a TV night where we get in our weekly cry by watching This Is Us. And <laughs> some fans, that's great. It's a great show. Um, I will say that Josh definitely, this is not a lie, definitely cries in it way more than any of us do. Um, we're criers, though. But in the summer, it's not on, so we've been watching a whole bunch of random things. So, like, last night, we watched um, two episodes of Sherlock, which is a lot of TV, if you've watched Sherlock. We also, recently, we, we watched the movie Silent. It was Well, we thought it was a 99 cent movie of the week on iTunes and then it expired the day before and then was full price, but we rented it anyway. Um, So if you guys know anything about this movie, it came out pretty recently and uh, it's about Jesuit missionaries in like the 1600s who go to Japan and who um, minister to the the people there. And it's during a time where Japan is really hostile to the gospel, persecuting Christians and and they go and and, um, we were ready to watch this movie and be like, yes. This is why we're doing what we do. This is, like, the meaning of the Christian walk. We had heard rumors, I don't know if they're true, um, that Andrew Garfield, the, the Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, um, Liam Neeson, they're all in it. We had heard rumors, at least, that, that Andrew Garfield became a Christian in the process of, of researching and preparing for this role. And so we were, like, ready for it to be inspiring and hopeful. Like, you know, this is you know, what it means to be a missionary. This is why we've chosen this life. That was not the case. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but by the end, I'm not going to, like, give away everything, but by the end, Josh was snoring on the couch. And, um, and then we were kind of like, it ends, and we're kind of like, okay, like, what do we even believe? You know, like, what is this, what is this about? Like, we're watching... Christians who have chosen to to follow Christ but they don't necessarily fully know what they're believing in but they're not ready to like renounce Christ and they're all being persecuted or tortured or killed for it and I guess the whole point of the movie is the idea of silence like that God is is there and God is present even in the silence but the movie doesn't necessarily do a good job of of showing that or explaining that and so I found myself walking home being like it doesn't seem like God really shows up in the midst of you know the the torture and the tragedy and a lot of these Christians don't really fully know what they believe in and and I just was thinking about like my whole life I've grown up believing in the Bible knowing it Um, I've had you know of course moments of like really knowing it encounters with Jesus but then I grew up in a culture in the church where you know, I believed it because people told me it was true, and I believed that, and I, um, you know, did what, what the Bible called us to do and to how to live our lives, and I'm in ministry now, and, um, you know, I, I, I had these moments, and I had this moment last week where it was, like, why do I even trust what's in the Bible? Like, I'm just doing it, but why? And I think, um, as christians and non-christians wherever you fall on that spectrum you have to admit that the stories in the bible are a little bit fantastical a little bit unbelievable and so we get to this question like why do we believe what the bible says sometimes i'll have these moments after meetings with students where i'm giving what you know the bible says the answer is and i'm believing it with my head but then afterwards i'm like wait why do I believe that? What is it that I, why, how can I trust what the Bible is saying? How can I trust these answers? I think, you know, there's a difference between head knowledge where I, I believe it and I know that, that this is the answer, this is what the Bible says, and I believe it. But sometimes my heart is, is, is a little bit later to catch up with that. Josh said last week that we stake our lives on the Bible, that we are Jesus' people and we stake our lives on Scripture. And most Christians would say that they do that, but they, why? We, would, we just do it. But the question is, like, how can we trust the Bible? Um, and I think for a lot of us, we can't explain why as Christians if we were asked. So tonight I do want to uh, dive into that a little bit, like how can we trust the Bible, obviously. But by starting, I want to talk through, I think there are two extremes in the church, I think. Um, when we're trying to explain the Bible, when it comes to that, I think there, there's these two extremes. One is kind of this head knowledge, hyper-intellectual, um, not much of the spirit or experience or feeling, but very like hard, evidence-proof, historical uh, um, and scientific proof. And then there's this other side, um, which is kind of the opposite extreme of that, with um, very charismatic, spirit-filled, a lot of feeling, A lot of miraculous signs and wonders, um, sometimes some unexplainable things. And I think that our culture and our world makes it easy for us to go into two different extremes, right? It's hard to find a middle ground. It's hard to combine two extremes. And it's hard to to be nuanced. It's hard to be in the gray area, the the in-between. But I think the Bible, along with most of life, belongs in that in-between. It's a both and. It's not one or the other. Josh mentioned that that Christianity is meant to be intellectual, like, we as Christians should be intellectuals, Um, we don't want to not be intellectual, but um, I think just as much as we need to read the Bible with our heads, um, we also read it with our hearts. If we seek just one, um, there will come a point, whether it's today, tomorrow, a year from now, 20 years from now, that we will not be satisfied with where we're at. Um, So this is where we're gonna spend our time tonight, and what I'm gonna try to address is, okay, where's the in-between? Where's that middle? And how do we we stay in there even if it's difficult? So how can we trust the Bible? Before I go into some of the points that I have, um, I do wanna, as as Alec um, announced today, we do have next tomorrow. This is a place for you to ask any questions about basics of Christianity. Maybe you don't know kind of where our faith comes from, this is a place for you to ask that. It's also a place um, for you in anything that we've said tonight and last week in the sermons. If there's anything that you want clarity on or you have questions about, please note them. Please write them down and submit your questions to aukialpha.org next. And we as a staff just want to respond to some of those questions and to address them. So if there's anything that I say tonight that you want clarity on, that you have questions about, um, please, we want to be a community that, that asks those hard questions. So my first point um, in how can we trust the Bible is, we, is that, one, we can trust the Bible because it's God-breathed. So if you want to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you have a Bible, it'll also be on the screen behind me that you can follow along or you, if you have an app on your phone. Also, for those of you who, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own one or you need one, we have um, quite a few we ordered that are in the back. You are welcome to after service grab one. We would love for you to get your hands on one. So please um, feel free to take one free of charge. We'd love for you to have it for for your own personal sake. But so follow along with me. Um, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says that all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for um, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what the Bible is saying is that that the word of God is God-breathed. Meaning it's inspired by God, um, it's written, it's breathed out by God Himself, and that the writers who wrote the books of the Bible were inspired by God, by God speaking through them into the the words of the Bible. Um, I've talked about this before if you've been around, but I had this, I was involved in this really awesome thing back um, in elementary school called Bible Quiz, and it's where churches have teams that compete, other churches on your knowledge of the bible and there's like a set of questions and um all the cool kids did bible quiz and um but in sixth grade i did you know win states but no one's really paying attention um and you you like buzz in on these these cool buzzers anyway i remember very clearly the the answer to what is the bible the answer was that the the bible is the inspired word of god and is his revelation to man of himself and his plan of salvation The Word of God is inspired by God himself. John 1.1 says that the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As Josh said last week, that Scripture gets its authority from God, not the other way around. Um, so, So we see that the Bible proves itself. It tells us that every word of it is inspired by God. Now... For some of you, this is probably a perfectly adequate answer. It's what you've known your whole life, and you're like, yeah, I can believe that. That's good. That's adequate proof. For some of you, I can see why, that, why you'd be skeptical about that. Um, because, you know, of course the Bible proves itself. It's the Bible. You know, of course it's going to support itself. Um, this might not be believable enough for you, and that's okay. Um, and I don't think that this, either, whether we're Christians or we're non-Christians, we don't think, you know, that this should be our only source of proof. Um, because it's kind of circular, right? Like, if you believe in the Bible because the Bible proves itself, but we believe that the Bible proves itself because we believe in the Bible because the Bible proves itself, you know, it, like, gets into this, it's just this constant circle. So we want to go beyond that, beyond the Bible proving itself. Um. How else do we know that we can trust the Bible? So one, we believe that it's God-breathed, but beyond that, point number two, we can trust the Bible because of the life, death, resurrection, and the person of Jesus. So if you want to follow along with me, or turn to John chapter 1. I quoted before the the first verse of that chapter, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then into verse 14 in that chapter, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So what we're seeing here in this passage is that that word that God then became, he sent his son in human flesh to live among us, um, fully God and fully human. This uh, was a fulfillment of the scripture that happened all before. In the Old Testament, it was all pointing to a coming Messiah. The prophecies were, were talking about a coming Messiah. And here Jesus is, that, that fulfilled Messiah that we see um, in the New Testament now. And before we get into the personhood of Jesus and who he was and his personality and, and, and really who he is now, um, I do think we, we want to talk a little bit about the historical proof of the New Testament. Um, and the proof of of Jesus, his life, and his resurrection. Now I won't be able to go nearly as in depth as this conversation warrants. Um, I would encourage you to keep searching. There's a great book that I was reading called Why Trust the Bible by Greg Gilbert that goes a little bit further into um, the historical evidence of the Bible, why we trust it and its writers and how it's all been kind of shaped together and made into this cohesive book. but a couple points about the historical accuracy of the Bible. So one, the, these books in the New Testament, they had to be um, authorized by at least one of Jesus' apostles, one of the people that, that walked among him. They also um, had to agree completely with Jesus' writing. So they agreed on the, these books because of this. Um, there were also multiple witnesses, um, credible writers and credible witnesses where— um, the early church agreed on and the later church has agreed on, and so there's a lot of history behind um, the Bible and the New Testament Testament being an accurate uh, set of books. Um, I think most people and most historians would consider the Bible as an historical document and a historical book, um, whether they believe in God and his existence or as Jesus as, as God. That's another story, but... Um, we believe that it is historically accurate as as far as a book of history. Now, of course, there's always ways to be skeptical, like, yes, I guess um, all of the writers could have conspired together and then convinced the early church to pretend that it was real and these things didn't actually happen. Like, of course there's that, but history isn't so much about mathematical proof as much as it's about historical probability. So, If we believe in the historical accuracy of the Bible, then we can say um, that historical confidence provides sufficient grounds for action. Now, I think this is getting a little bit kind of confusing to wrap our heads around. What I mean by that, historical confidence provides sufficient grounds for action, is that when we've um, decided that something is, we, we have confidence historically in something that means then it provides um, an option for action, like we can act on that then. So for example, this might be a little bit easier to understand, the US Constitution, I've heard this example. Um, Now I vote because I believe that historically at some point in history um, that the US Constitution was ratified and I have the right to vote. Now I wasn't there when it happened, I didn't experience it myself or see it with my own eyes. But, because it is historically probable, it has been proven that happened in history, I can then act on that. I can then vote. I'm not going to abstain from voting because I wasn't there, so I don't know if I actually had that right to vote. You see how that, that, that plays out? So because I believe in the evidence historically that that um, is accurate, I can act on it. In the same way, I think that's how we can trust um, in the historical accuracy of the Bible. And so when we go into that, we then read the Bible first out of the understanding um, that the life and the resurrection of Jesus happened as a historical event in history. I strongly encourage you, like this is just like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the historical proof, and I am not a scholar in this. So I'd really encourage you, if you have more questions about this, please study this. Please find books and sources um, to to explore this some more about the historical accuracy of the Bible. That's the head knowledge part that we do need. We do need to understand. But beyond that, um, we're not just saying that we trust it historically. We also believe that it's the word of God that brings life and salvation through a personal relationship with Jesus. And this part I think is much harder to get our heads around. It's much harder to grasp a personal relationship with the God that we see in scripture. So when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see that Jesus was human. Um, he, he felt like us. He experienced pain and sorrow and joy and love and was in relationship with other people. He, we, we see that as he's praying in the garden before his, his death, before his crucifixion, he prays that God would take away um, the, the cut from him, that he wouldn't have to die in the cross if, it was, if, if he could find another way um, because he knew just how much pain he'd be feeling. He felt pain like we felt pain. And he did that so that we could relate to him. Jesus is, is the human that we get to relate to, that we can understand. In Jesus and his resurrection, we find salvation, we find life, and we find a relationship with him. And this is, is where the Bible comes alive. It's not just in the historical side, because that's only one side of it, but the Bible comes alive through a personal relationship with Jesus. We get to interact interact with the person of Jesus. And until we relate to and with him, we'll probably miss the whole thing. None of the proof really matters scientifically uh, without a relationship with him. But then how do we have a personal relationship with a God who is no longer with us on earth and walking among us like he used to, how do we have that personal relationship with God? Which leads into my third point. Um, We can trust the Bible because of the helper, the Holy Spirit. Turn with me, um, now I I know I'm jumping around a lot of places. Um, Next week we'll start Ephesians and we'll just be in one book for the entire rest of the semester, which will be easier. Um, But if you'll turn with me to Matthew 28... What we see here is this is after Jesus is crucified. Um, he, he sp- or after he raises from the, the dead, he, he spends some time with his disciples and then he ascends into heaven. Basically, he leaves them and he says, um, I'm going to call you to do something. This is what I'm going to tell you to do. This is how to do it. I'm going to go back to heaven to be with my father. And, and he's telling us, okay, what is our job now? And this is what we as Christians operate on as Jesus's final call to us. So Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, they say, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what we see here in this great commission is what Jesus is calling us to do, but what he says at the end is is what I want to kind of hone in on is, surely I will be with you forever. That's kind of confusing because he's about to leave them. So what does it mean that that he's going to be here and with with us forever? So there must be some way to personally relate with Jesus, to have a personal relationship with Jesus, even after he leaves, even after he's not here in in human form. A couple more verses. John 14 um, says in, in verse 16 that that God will send another advocate, he calls it, um, to help us and to be with us forever. An advocate, a helper, someone who will help us. Later on in that chapter, in verse 26, it says that the the advocate, the Holy Spirit, it says will um, teach you all things and will remind you of everything uh, I have said to you. We believe that this Holy Spirit, this Spirit of God that he sends after Jesus ascends into heaven is the one who helps us to have this relationship to personally relate to Jesus and we believe that he helps us to understand the Bible again uh, John 14 26 but the advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things he's there to teach us to help us understand this Bible that we're reading the word that we're reading With, with him he allows it to come alive he helps us to pray to to talk to God he intercedes with us Um, or intercedes with God on our behalf, meaning just like he goes to battle for us, he fights for us, he prays for us. Um, This is how we relate to Jesus, the way the disciples related to Jesus when he was here with them, when they got to walk alongside him. So we need a personal relationship with Jesus to understand um, and trust the Bible. But then... Beyond that, beyond having a personal relationship with him, how can that make us understand the Bible? My fourth point is is that we can trust the Bible because it's living and active. So our last uh, verse that I'm going to ask you to turn to is in Hebrews chapter 4, and you can follow along. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We believe that we can trust the Bible and the, the, and the Holy Spirit helps us to read this living and active scripture that we're reading. That this Bible isn't just a book of facts, it's not just a historical um, body of, of work, but this is living, it is alive, and that we get to interact with it. We get to wrestle with it daily. There's this idea called progressive revelation. And and it's this this fact that we're only human and we only have a human understanding of a God who is not human, but um, we believe that through this personal relationship with Jesus and with the help of the Holy Spirit that um, scripture will come alive progressively and continually as we interact with it, as we read it, as we wrestle with it, um, it will constantly be revealed to us newer and newer every day. It's why we read and reread the Bible, and we think that every time that we can read it, we can get something new. And one passage could have meant something to me in this season of life, and in another season of life, it means something totally different. Not that they're contrary, but that it means something different in, which, in, in depending on which season I'm in, because it's living, it's active. Um, it's continually being revealed to us. Now we don't want to just believe something blindly um, but we, we won't be able to know everything before we dive in um, and that's just how it is. We need to step into that relationship that brings the revelation and then more and more revelation comes after that and so yeah I don't want to just jump in and, and, and not know what I'm talking about or not know what I'm believing but there's a certain point where you've got to take that step, right? Scripture is an experience. It's something that we get to interact with. There's an experience of Scripture. In the Gospels, Jesus is is frequently interacting with the Pharisees, and uh, for those of you guys who maybe know these stories a lot, you know that the Pharisees are often the people that Jesus um, condemns a lot because they don't get it. Um, They were were Jewish, Jewish scholars and teachers of the law, and they knew everything backward and forward. They obeyed all the laws. They knew what the Old Testament said. They did every bit of Jewish tradition uh, because they believed it. They knew it was right. But the, the problem with the Pharisees is that they didn't experience it. They didn't let it penetrate into their hearts or let it come alive. Jesus tells them that they have a dead faith, that they're like whitewashed tombs. Because they've got this head knowledge, which was good, but it was only part of the way. They didn't have the heart knowledge. They didn't have the relationship with Scripture. They didn't know, um, what is the reason why I'm obeying the law? What is the reason why I'm reading all of these things and doing these? They did it um, because they knew that the Bible said to do it, but why? And that's what a personal relationship, that's that's what this living and active word gives us is the why. They missed out on such a key part of their faith was that that even in the Old Testament, God loved them and wanted to save them um, from, from, from an eternity away from him. Um, that he just wanted to be with them, and they missed out on that. There's enough books, I think, on literal proof of the Bible, and you can look that up, but without the experience of that living Bible and without um, a personal relationship with the Lord, we'll never be fully satisfied or ever be able to fully trust the Bible and what it says. And I just wonder how often are we or am I like the Pharisees where I watch a movie like Silence and I leave being like, wait, why do I believe what I believe? Why do I trust that what's in the Bible is true? If it means persecution, if it means being tortured for my faith and I don't see Jesus show up, then why am I doing this? The movie had never addressed why those Christians were believing what they were doing or why they wouldn't renounce Christ. And I think I can so often lose sight of the Jesus who loves me, who knows me, who cares for me, who saved me. And I just get caught up in in the motions of of what the Bible says. But I do think that that God has called us to to relate to him because he loves us and he wants us to be near him. That's what he's called us to. So this week, um, well, not anymore, but the movie of the week was on iTunes, the 90 cent, nine, 99 cent movie was The Shack, which I don't know if you guys have seen The Shack or read The Shack. I didn't know what to expect necessarily. when it, I remember when the book came out, there was just like this great division in the church. Like some people were like, this like changed my life completely. And some people were like, this is totally theologically inaccurate. Um, of course, it's somewhat theologically inaccurate. It's a fiction story. But... I, I was like, 99 cents, I'm gonna rent this and I'll watch it. Basically, I don't think I'm giving away anything. This is in the preview, so um, it's not my fault, guys. Um, basically, a man meets with God, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit um, after the tragic loss of his child, right? And so this whole movie is really about him interacting with the Trinity and coming to an understanding That God is a good God who loves him and loves the world after he has an experience where um, it's made him hate God, think that God's not good, think that God's not loving. So it didn't take away the bad things in the world. It didn't take away the evil or the tragedy that happened with his child. But um, it explained God's love and goodness in the midst of it, right? Right? This movie had so many personal and tender moments where God, um, the father, who is actually played by a a woman, Octavia Spencer, who is awesome, um, and she would just have a lot of these moments where she would just say, man, you don't even realize how much I love you. Or she would say, I'm really fond of that one. And then the, the main character would be like, is there anyone you're not fond of? And she was like, nope. You know, and, and this just like so perfectly, I feel like, depicted the person of God, that he saved us, not because um, we just are, are these evil people, but because he loved us and wanted to spend eternity with us. There were some moments where, where the, the main character is crying because he's just feeling so much pain and so much hurt, and God is sitting next to him crying with him feeling the same pain that he was feeling. And so, you know, as they cried, I found, um, of course, myself crying. And for a a decent amount of the movie, it was like the pretty, you know, tears down the face. And then by the end, it was like the, like, (laughs) you know, sobbing. Um, You you guys know how it is. Um, (laughs) Another perk of living by yourself is you can just let it flow. It's fine. Um, But, of course, I immediately texted Josh and Brittany, and I was like, you need to watch this. This is the movie that we were looking for last week. And of course they watched it and they sobbed and it was awesome. Um, We just like to give each other other opportunities to to ugly cry. See, if we're just looking for literal proof of the existence of God and the historical accuracy of of the Bible, I think we've just missed the point. And I don't think that that's not important. I think we should do that. We need to be knowledgeable about those things. But um, I think we've at least missed out on the other half of the gospel, which is a relationship with a God who loves us. When we meet Jesus, our lives and our understanding of the Bible are completely changed. Um, He makes things understandable and then um, the things that are unexplainable, he makes them okay for now. And when we talk about progressive revelation, we do believe that um, in time, God reveals his plan. He explains things. And and for the things that he doesn't, um, in this lifetime, we can come to a place of understanding of his goodness. We find ourselves being able to trust that God um, and his plan is perfect, and trust that he'll reveal um, his plan in time. It becomes easier to do that when we know him, when we're in relationship with him. See, I trust my dad um, because I know he loves me, I know it's unconditional, I, I basically will trust anything he says, or my mom, you know, because I, I know them, and they know me, and I trust them, but it comes out of that relationship that we have. We trust the Bible because we trust Jesus, and like any trust-filled relationship, we can only really trust him if we know him. But lucky for us, I believe that the Bible allows us a way to know Jesus fully. And once we know him, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy. There's nothing in this world that can come close. Um, I think there's a lot of parts of this world that I love. I love my relationships. I love what I get to do. I, of course, love my plants. Um, but nothing in this world can come close, can compare to the goodness of Christ and the relationship we get with him. There's that song that just says, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And I think when we come into a place of knowing him fully, we're free to say you can have all this world just give me Jesus because nothing else will do we're going to spend some time um, maybe in in extended response um, if the band wants to come up and they're going to start playing Um, we we talk about this almost every week but we respond um, through through worship specifically through song because we believe that that in many ways, music can just break down some walls and lets us get into a place where we can process what we've heard, where we can get with God and we can let him speak to us um, and continue the work that he's doing and continue what what he said tonight through the message. And so we want a little bit of extended time um, tonight. Tonight, I, I, I want you guys to consider what God might be calling you to. Um, and how he might be calling you to himself we believe in a god who loves every single bit of us the lovable parts and the unlovable parts um and we believe that he he wants to interact with us so if you guys would would bow your heads and, and close your eyes there's nothing super spiritual about this it just helps us to eliminate distractions or um helps us to not think about what others might think if, the, if they're looking around. This just allows us to privately spend some moments with, with Jesus. I think there's a couple responses um, to, to what I, I've said tonight. I think, one, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't address any of you who maybe are new to faith, not Christians, maybe didn't grow up in the church, maybe don't know anything about this, have never entered into a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if there's anyone in this room who's like that. Tonight, I want to boldly ask if you would consider a relationship with Jesus. Now, as I said before, we believe in progressive revelation. You don't need to know everything or have every bit explained from the very beginning. What he asks us to do is just to reach out and to accept this free gift of salvation, of relationship that he gives us. And we believe that That after this point, he will continue to reveal himself, continue to explain himself, continue to give you answers. But the truth is, before Jesus, we were doomed to a life apart from him. But there's a God who sent his son down as a human to experience our pain and our sorrow um, so that we could be with him. That's how much he loved us. So if that's you tonight, and if you're, um, if you're interested, if you're like, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm willing to, to think about this, I'm willing to pray about this, I'm willing to consider exploring what a relationship with God could look like, and if you've never done that before, I would just ask if you would um, just make the step of, of raising your hand as you sit with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone in this room um, who would like to make that decision for the first time, would you raise your hand? Thank you guys. And if you can continue to to keep your head bowed. The the second group that I want to speak to is for those of us who are are already believers, who already know Jesus. But maybe God's calling you to remember that personal relationship that he called you to in the first place. It's so easy for me, and and I'm in full-time ministry, this is my job. It's so easy for me to to be like the Pharisees, and if we're like them, we'll just burn out. Whether it's today or tomorrow or 20 years from now, one day it's not going to be enough, and we'll become disillusioned. This week I needed a reminder that, that I believe in a God who loves me so intensely that's you tonight, if you need to come back to just understanding that relationship that you have with Jesus and to know him personally, I'd ask you with every eye bowed or head bowed and eyes closed, would you um, raise your hand where you're sitting as well? If you guys want to um, stand with, with me and if you raised your hand tonight, um, I'd encourage you, there's going to be, um, the Kyle and the staff will be on the sides during this time of worship, me, Josh, and Brittany, um, and we've got a couple um, student leaders who are going to be on the side. Um, you guys can stand as we start to respond. Um, when we go into to worship, if you, um, especially if you raised your hand to accept Jesus for the first time, would you... Um, you know, get out of your seats and, and pray with someone, we love to, to tell you kind of what the next steps are. We love to pray with you with that and just to be with you and to to, to, to be a community alongside you. And then even for people who, who raise their hands and just who need a refreshing of your, of your understanding of Jesus' personal um, relationship with us, we're here on the sides to pray with you and to be with you. Hope that tonight we can understand that the world um, can only offer us so much, but that a life with Jesus has nothing, there's nothing that can compare to it. So, before we respond, I'm going to pray, and then um, you can get where you need to go if you want to stand and worship, if you want to kneel, if you want to sit, and if you want to pray with us, um, we'd love for you to get into whatever position that is. Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I have been so stuck in my head and the rules and the regulations of scripture that I have missed out on a personal relationship with you. But God, in the midst of that, I'm grateful that you love me so much and that you pursue me from day one even when I walk away. God tonight, would you just be present in this room? Would your Holy Spirit speak to us? Would you show us where where you want to speak? where you want to tell us just how much you love us and how fond you are of us. God, I pray that you would interact with each of us personally because you know our personalities, you know us, you've made us individually perfect in your sight. God, we ask you to meet with us. We pray these things in your name.